0: You're listening to The 515 Podcast, led by Pastor John Wayne McMahon with Kingwood United Methodist Church in Kingwood, Texas. Thanks for downloading. Hi there, friends. Thank you for joining us today. This is episode 65 of The 515 Podcast. Jason Priestmeyer here with John Wayne McMahon. John Wayne, how's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Um... I'm curious if you prepared... Anything uh, for or if you're going spontaneous about how I'm like, feeling right now. Yes,
1: I'm kind of sore. I told you earlier I work, worked out for the first time. In that's like, true. I'm sorry to hear that, like and good for you. Seventeen months, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not that
0: long. But. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, you you, so you really tired. Should pace yourself. You don't <laughs> ever want to just overexert yourself too yeah. much. That's yeah. that's the common mistake that a lot of yeah. people make. Um, but we're continuing the sermon series on the parables. That is correct of Jesus, which is awesome. Um, We are, this past week, talking about the parable of the weeds, um, which was good. I was paying attention. But for those of us who might have missed it last week or haven't maybe listened to the sermon, the podcast yet, why don't you give us a quick overview of that parable? Sure.
1: Let me read. uh, I'll just read part of it. We'll read the whole thing. But this is from verse 24 of Luke 13. Uh, sorry, Matthew 13. Matthew. Uh, sorry, I've been prepping for the this coming week. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so anyways, all right. So Matthew 13, verse 24. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weed... Uh, weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed uh, heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn so then later on uh jesus gives an answer key i won't read that whole part but i'll just run through it real quick the one who sows the seed is the son of man or a reference to to jesus or god Mm -hmm. Uh, field is the world the good seed are the people of the kingdom the bad seed or the weeds are the people of the evil one harvest is the end of the age and harvesters are angels so Jesus gives us the answer key uh, two weeks in a row, like for two parables in yeah, a row, which a is nice interesting. Treat. Yeah, it's really interesting. This uh, parable we have come in this week, I really could have used an answer key because it is messed up. <laughs> uh-huh. But for this one, Jesus gives us, he kind of gives us some answers of, of what's going on, or at least ways to think about it. Um, and he's probably giving these specifically to the disciples, right, as the disciples are asking so they understand what's going on. Yeah. So a little bit of an oversight. Um, what we see... Uh, obviously is some workers or servants come to the farmer and they say, "Wait a minute, where where did these weeds come from?" And so there is this parable, this metaphor, uh, this likening to the Christians in the world versus, or the the, the citizens of the kingdom in mm-hmm. the world versus the citizens of the evil one. The First John uh, talks about the one who does evil or the one that that is in darkness is a son or a spawn of the evil one, which is pretty harsh words. Um, yeah, but really. that's what's going on with these weeds, and okay. so. The weeds pop up out of nowhere. They say, "Okay, do you want us to get rid of them?" And the farmer says, "No, because they actually look exactly the same, and you might pull out wheat with it. Um, and so, don't do that. We'll wait until they grow, um, because this weed, when it grows uh, to maturity, you can then distinguish the wheat from the the weed from the wheat, mm-hmm. and then we can pull the weeds and throw it in the fire. And so, when you you apply that context now to our experience, what what Jesus is talking about is a judgment day, a day when in which maybe even maybe if now we can't really see who's a weed or a wheat or what's going on, but there's a coming a day where God Himself will be the salvific judge uh, that separates the sheep from the goat. Is another way that it talks about it. Mm, and so okay. um, that's that's kind of what's playing out here.
0: So you you talked a little bit about. Um, Evil in reference to the farming, like knowing there are weeds in his field. Um, can you elaborate on that? Kind of talk more about that.
1: Yeah. So Sunday, okay, no. Sunday, I, de- I didn't, I kind of like cracked open a can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that was what I was kind of getting at. Hmm. But one of the things that really jumped out at me uh, is I think about um, how we encounter evil in the world. Or weeds, right? How we encounter this presence. Because some weeds actually cause an incredible amount of destruction. Um, And so when we encounter evil in the world, what what does that mean? What does that look like in light of this parable in the way that Jesus is kind of saying he he relates to the world and evil and, and good, right? And mm-hmm. so I was thinking about that, but one of the things that, that I jumped at when I was reading through the parable is the farmer, when, when the workers come and say, there's weeds in, in our field, like I thought you put good seed... He says, I, I see it. Yes, there are weeds, yeah. uh, but don't pull them because you won't be, you won't be able to tell uh, the, the, the wheat from the weeds. And the one thing I was kind of teasing out is that sometimes we, um, we believe when evil happens— or we ask questions that would insinuate that God is apathetic or unaware of the evil that's in the world. Mm-hmm. Like God okay. is, is mm-hmm. very distant and not there. And one of the things I was trying to press is that the the actual the narrative of God's redemptive story of the Bible, it seems more often than not, uh, God endures the wicked in the present to provide the opportunity for redemption for his people. So... We see this happen all over the place when um, the first example that came to mind is uh, God brings everybody out of Egypt. Um, they're at Mount Sinai. Moses is up on the mountain. He's receiving the law and he's been gone for like, you know, three hours long and they're grumpy. It's longer than that, but he's, you know, they get grumpy and a little yeah. restless. and Like, what are we going to do? Like, well, I let's start worshiping other gods. And like they yeah. have and Moses <laughs> comes down and they're like, they're like partying and worshiping uh, Baal or this golden calf, and and so God in could could have responded in a different way to to wipe out this evil, but He withstands it in the present hmm. in order to give the opportunity for redemption that's going to take place for His people. This is kind of the repeating narrative that happens over and over and over and over again. Um, I think that that's that's really important. Now the question back would be like, but sometimes God intervenes when evil's taking place. Yeah. And sometimes he does Why wouldn't God just intervene? Why doesn't he pull the weeds?
0: Every single, all the time. Yeah, up. yeah.
1: Why doesn't he do that? And there's no easy answer for that. Like, I think that's this problem of evil that we've been wrestling with since the beginning of our faith is one that atheism thinks is the big trump card, really. Like, mm-hmm. if, if God is good and he is nothing but love and, and he is omnipotent and omnipresent, then he should have the power to stop evil, why would he allow a house to burn? down with a, a young baby inside mm-hmm. like why would why would these things take place and those there's there's not um simple answers but there's a couple things that that we talk about like one of those is the free will response that god gives us freedom um, to live and to choose Him and to build our lives. And because of that free will, sin has also entered into the story. And so there's natural evil like fires and and uh, natural disasters and things like that because sin has actually splintered things in the world. Um, and then there's personal evil because if God gives us all the choice of free will so that we might choose Him and choose to love each other over being robotic and forced into that, that's a more loving than him just making us do whatever he wants us to do. Um, The other thing that I would offer into this is I think evil exists in the world at least in a way that's more long-lasting than we like because this thing, this kind of thought pattern, I don't want to go too far into it, but there's this thought journey that I've been on about how he created us to rule and to reign as his representatives on earth. And so for him to intervene in everything that we do would actually be subverting mm. the creative order and the way that it was built built to,
0: to be in the very beginning. It's like a parent trying to give their child responsibilities and duties but then constantly stepping in like, oh, you're doing that wrong or stop here, just let me do this for you because you, you're incapable of doing this right. And obviously that's not what yeah. <laughs> a good parent is going to do and, and certainly not what God... Yeah. We would want to just be constantly micromanaging that.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is, like, the evil that we experience in our life is but a breath of what is the entire sure narrative mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. the history of humankind and, and God's redemptive journey to, to restore humanity. And so the evil that we feel in a snapshot— Well, God is operating at another place. I mean, so we could talk about God in relation to time and things like that and the way that he's drawing out redemption. Um, uh, Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we could get into. But the main thing that I wanted to say from a place of grace is that God is not apathetic to evil. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, all throughout Scripture, we talk about how God came in flesh in Jesus and, and endured the worst of the worst um, so that we might know that we in our sufferings are joined to, to Christ in, in his sufferings, that we're not alone, yeah. that he's present with us. And so I could share all of those things uh, throughout there, but God is not apathetic to evil in the world. He knows that the weeds are there. There's mm-hmm. just a plan that, I, I don't know, we don't fully grasp all the time, Yeah.
0: right? Um, one thing I really like about this podcast is taking the chance and the opportunity to talk more about those things that are just like what historically at the time when these people are hearing um, this this parable about these weeds and stuff, Jesus really relates the weeds to something that actually exists. Yeah, you know, in their lives, yeah. like, like there are actually people who farm and actually who do have to go out and harvest wheat, right? Yeah. So, what is the significance of these weeds, or more specifically, what is the um, actual day? Equivalent of these weeds that these people are like. Oh, I know exactly what he's talking yeah. about. It's this, yeah.
1: Yeah. So the Greek word that we get into that, if you if you read the King James version or somewhere else, you'll you'll hear the word tears, okay. and that's a kind of a. Um, I, I think I don't I don't I don't know if it's phased out of English or if it's just an obscure reference, but um, it's it's in reference to this weed, who most scholars think. In the ancient Near East context, the, the original hearers of this parable, they would think of this this weed, mm. and, and this weed is, is what exists all over Palestine uh, Palestine and um, and uh, Syria and the area around, according to archaeology and stuff, and it's called the bearded darnel. Uh, I could give you a scientific name, but I butchered it Sunday, so I'm not even going to try now. Good. It's a species of ryegrass... Um, the seeds of which are a strong soporific, soporific poison, which means like a sleep narcotic, which okay. is interesting. We can talk about that in a minute. It bears the closest resemblance to wheat. Hmm. Till the ears appear till the fruit, the, the top part of it, not like fruit like an apple, but the, the way that it starts to bud, almost yeah. kind of like what wheat does, but it just looks very different at the end. That's when you can tell the difference, but that's only at maturity. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was actually illegal from what uh, I saw in some background commentaries. In Rome, because, or in the Roman uh, provinces, that this would, would uh, the story would be taking place because it was so detrimental to wheat fields. And so, like that's when, when an enemy came in and and sowed these seeds. That's actually a narrative that they'd be like, "Oh, that jerk! Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, that happened to my cousin Bobby right. over there. You know, yeah. like you know, that, that, I mean, that would that, yeah. they would think of that." Um, I don't know why I just equated like everybody it's perfect. to no. East Texas rednecks. Just then, um, that's but, how I <laughs> frame everything. Yeah, they just looked a little different, dressed different. Yeah, but, sandals um, and robes. Yeah. So, um, but that's what's going on, which is. Per- pretty remarkable because it plays right into the theological story that Jesus is telling about people not being able to be distinguished just like the plant is not being able to be distinguished and so you have to wait until the end and and to burn it and and the burning part yes it's talking about judgment later but also uh in background commentaries I saw that like the only thing that you would do with this is burn it because the seeds were so poisonous they Mm -hmm. were like they could make you pass out for hours and hours it was a narcotic drug and so if you pulled it, you would you would immediately burn it. You wouldn't yeah. just, like, discard it. You would burn it. And so uh, it, it plays right into the way Jesus tells the story. It makes sense. And yeah. He uses a very familiar story to tell about what's going on.
0: So, yeah. So they're definitely going to be thinking, oh, man, that would suck. I would hate to have to be the guy who yeah. has to harvest that. Yeah. And I like how, and I don't want to jump ahead too far, but... Um, they hear the story, completely understand it. They're like, "Oh, yeah, okay, this weed makes you go to sleep. It's bad. It's in the crops." Yeah. Um, wait a minute. Who who are you talking about? And then then they have to get the explanation of yeah. So who's the guy? Yeah, harvesting. Yeah. It. Yeah. Who's, 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 who's the person? guy who sowed it? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, we'll come to that. I'm gonna yeah. jump for ahead.
1: Um, but the, the weeds the weeds are really interesting. The seeds of them being a sleep narcotic was something that stood out to me this week. Or okay, last week yeah. when I was preaching that. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that I drawed out a little bit, um, is that I think one of the greatest ways that the evil one we're talking about the mm-hmm. the one who sows the, the weeds is the evil one. One of the one of the greatest ways of attack in, in our life existence, at least in our American context, is I think sleep. Yeah. I think I think that we are that we fall asleep in our relationships or um, in our marriages, in our jobs. We just become apathetic. Mm. Or we, and what I mean by sleep is like, it could look like anything. It could be the slow walk into materialism that leads to you only being concerned with big barns and collecting vacation (laughs) homes that we talked about a couple weeks ago. I
0: mean, it could be, hey, um, the whole family after dinner sitting on the couch and each person's on their own separate device. That's exactly right. And that's
1: exactly that's, right. That's, that and then five, five years later, you're like, we don't know anyone in our own household. Yeah. You know, like how we, I can't relate to my children. Mm-hmm. Well, because we missed a lot. Somehow we, we slowly miss all the time. And so that's what I kind of think of is like the the attacks of the evil one if you want to talk about spiritual warfare right now at least in our context are not these not these demonic possessions that we see yeah, in new testament true. theology mm-hmm. that some other countries that mm-hmm. I've visited experience and see all the time it's actually this slow i mean i think god just allows us to be given over to our temptations mm-hmm. And like it is just in the, in and sleep is the best word for it. John Wesley would talk about um, the, that the way that we uh, are asleep um, until God's grace opens our eyes to allow us to see the brokenness and evil around us. And so Wesley would even say that we're sleep, we're weeds, we're sleep, no matter what, until God's grace opens our eyes yeah. and allows us to see what what's going on around us. So really interesting uh, connotations. I don't know if Jesus was drawing on the the sleep narcotic thing yeah. or if if he used this plant in a parable because it looks just like wheat and that's all the significance mm-hmm. but I thought I would just bring that up I thought that's that was a good
0: fact there you go that's just uh, if uh, you paid for this episode that just yeah there you go you um, go So let's go back to uh, the separating of the wheat from the weeds. That was a are obviously a really big topic you know yeah. so um, let's go back into the, what we're not supposed to do with parables and make that apply directly to, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. our lives what does that look like in our yeah. lives no, we can, yeah
1: we can bring the application so one of the big themes in this is he tells the servants or the workers you don't don't separate them right now because you won't be able to distinguish between them Yes. and so why is that like such a big theme well I think that um, we actually are guilty of being the servants or the workers that separate the wheat from the weeds prematurely all Hmm. the time and what I mean by that is I think that we constantly are judgmental of everyone that is around us And let me just put a disclaimer on this. I don't mean that it is not like you often hear that, well, you shouldn't judge. It says in the Bible, don't judge. Like, I'm not saying blanket we shouldn't judge because, Jason, if you and I are in in deep relationship and you decide to do something that is not within Mm -hmm. moral standards that we hold each other to, then it is right for me to say, Jason... You need to stop. You're going to lose your marriage if you right. keep doing this. That judgment is a good thing. Gotcha. But what I'm saying is the blanket judgment in the way we um, we interact with people in our lives. We are separating the wheat from the weeds, or at least that's the challenge of the parable for us to consider mm. and to think about what that looks like. To not just assume because I have the confidence of the Holy Spirit that I'm a wheat that I can also be the salvific judge of everybody that's around me. Yeah. And so in Kingwood, I think it plays out in a lot of different. Ways, but some of the examples that were coming around coming around when I was thinking about this is assuming the worst from people. Right, mm-hmm. I'm guilty of that for sure. Like, I just assume that someone's up to no good without knowing what their day's been like. So, a basic example, and I use this all the time, is getting cut off on the way to work. Yeah, and somebody cuts you off, and you just immediately assume. Well, this guy's just a jerk and doesn't care about anybody else, yeah. and he probably uh, beats puppies. And like, you know, <laughs> I don't actually think that. Okay, calm down. But, <laughs> but you know, we—I just automatically judge this person rather than assuming, you know, that, or rather than considering maybe they've just had a terrible morning and things have been rough and and stuff like that. The other way, and other ways that we judge people, I think, in Kingwood is not getting to know people before we assume something about them. And so I'm really bad about that. Think Mm. about someone in your life that ended up being an incredible friend down the road, but at first you're like, I really don't like that person. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that's in that place of that, that early judgment. We do it... With our demeanor, uh, when we're too busy to actually spend a couple of minutes and talking with somebody, a stranger, or to hear their story from what's going on, or we just get impatient, those kind of judgments play out all over the place. Sunday, I even talked about the way in which we greet someone can be a judgment. <laughs> if some kids are not behaving the way your kids yeah. should behave, what kind of look do you give them in church? Probably not a pleasant one. Even if you don't mean to do a bad one, the plain one is unpleasant. Your natural yeah. reaction is just yeah. like, oh, these yeah. kids. <laughs> yeah, so there's all different ways that it look like that. And so uh, one of the big themes for me uh, was how do we love radically rather than selectively? Yeah. So another big one that I talked about, at least one of the services, is what Homeless Ministry has done for me mm-hmm. because, I mean, I feel so uncomfortable when I get around people that live in the streets like when i'm downtown or in some other areas i get really uncomfortable and that uncomfortableness is is rooted in the judgment that i've already cast
0: yeah oh i drive downtown all the time on the way to work and i see homeless people standing there and and there's like the regulars like this is their corner and and i've gone through that whole like range of i see this person i immediately like I know what this guy is. I've got him pegged, you know? Yeah. And then I'm like, Oh, he's lying about this. He's got, he's got a, a, this ID card that makes it make me think, okay, he's, he's a vet or what. So, but just the fact that now I've gone through and I've already made those decisions, whether I want to admit them or not, I've already, you know, said this guy's that. So, and my point was going to be, um, that's from the safety of my car I, yeah. I haven't pulled over <laughs> yeah. to a mission and yeah. I haven't got out and I haven't tried yeah. to go to uh, like uh, a shelter to feed them or anything yeah. so that is definitely the challenge is not yeah. to like
1: I'm not telling you to go give five bucks to every person you encounter right. but man do we even slow down enough to get to know people or is there like is there just a place we're not going because yeah. they're too different than we are like we ju- we judge people
0: for being different than us absolutely yeah okay how so, so? How do we stop doing that? That Mister, I've got all the answers to. Uh, yeah, to I judging. don't. I don't. I don't.
1: Uh, two things I would challenge with though is I think part of this is, um, I mean, obviously I can give you the the Bible answers, Sunday school answers, right? Prayer and all of that. And I think humility is a big one. But mm-hmm. I think where I was kind of landing on it is we gotta have a, we have to have a clear perception of who we are. And so what I mean by that is I think that, A, sometimes I project my own brokenness on other people. Mm. So when I assume the worst about someone, it's probably because I'm guilty of the very thing that yeah. I'm thinking that they're doing. Okay. And so there, there's a little bit of that. But the other thing is is like, I am also blind to the weeds in my own heart. Mm -hmm. And I believe God is trying to remove some weeds. But if I'm not processing, if I'm allowing these masks to stay on, if I'm not processing the pride that is in my heart or or the way that I responded in a situation, then I'm not actually participating in the weeding out of what's going on and what God's doing. These last two parables really play into, as we talked about last week, the preparedness of the soil. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and all that's going on, and so I think I think part of this process is actually getting to know yourself, um, and to know w- what's in, to ask questions about your reactions and situations and things like that. Yeah. And then of course, yeah, it's prayer. Uh, it's asking God for compassion and sympathy. It's asking, it's starting the day in humility. Lord, forgive me for I'm a sinner mm-hmm. and I have not loved you with my whole heart. I'm not giving you everything that I have. That that acknowledgement is the place of going, I'm no better than that person over there. Yeah. And so why do I judge immediately instead of loving out of a confident place of being loved when I didn't deserve it? Therefore, I can love in that place.
0: Is that This is one of those cases where I'm going to go ahead and do another plug for the small groups and the accountability group. Yeah. Because um trying to just be on your own and think, okay, I can do this, I'm gonna be a better person I'm gonna I'm gonna weed my own heart here and, and kind of get rid of some of this yeah um, and I'll tell you it's extremely difficult, yeah if not impossible ultimately to, to do that on your own. Yeah. you have a much better chance if you have a group of people that you can uh, rely on to help you do that as you're also doing the same yeah for them as well. yep yep awesome. amen. All right, so um, let's uh, let's wrap this up talking about the judgment. Yeah, you want to talk about hell to close it up? Yeah, because I, I mean, you 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 put a great podcast uh, plug for the sermons we did last summer with the heaven and hell series.
1: Yeah, I would I would recommend again.
0: Last summer on
1: the channels there that we we preached through a four four or five week series yeah. on heaven and hell Ripper so I jim
0: would, welch retired so that was yeah i encourage to you to go that. listen that's to those. good i cool. put,
1: a, uh, put a lot of research into the into that one like that was one of the more research sermon series that that i've done in preparation so cool there's some good stuff there did we do 515 all the way through it totally
0: yeah i'm sure we did we should somehow put these links together and share them i'm I'm talking in the show I'm saying that
1: yeah yeah so so we'll, we'll, figure something we'll work on that all right yeah. so, so let's close so the end of it uh, obviously it says put the the harvesters will come we'll separate the weeds from the uh, the wheat from the weeds and we'll bundle the weeds and throw them in the fire to burn and then in the translation of the answer key Jesus is like yep that's the end of the age yeah that's the judgment day and so It gets a little harsh and we get uncomfortable with that. Mm -hmm. Especially when it talks about throwing in the fire where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't have time to unpack all of that, but um, let me say just quickly that a lot of times when we get these metaphors of what hell is, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times in the New Testament... It was a reference to this place outside of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. It was a geographical place outside the city gates. And so uh, burn, there was a burning, a trash pile basically it was a dump where they just cast out the trash and things that were happening. And so sometimes these references are there. I didn't dig that deep into this one, um, but a lot of times that metaphor is, is trying to evoke a, an emotion rather than trying to give you a literal view of what hell is supposed to be, yeah. what the experience is going to be. I tend to, to when I uh, study what's going on, I tend to favor like a CS Lewis um, interpretation of hell where uh, we're in the room, where, where if you're in hell, you're in a room with the locks on the inside. Mm-hmm. We've essentially walked and chosen where we're at. It, it would look like the very rejection of Jesus by the people that are around Jesus. As he's, as he's given him who he is, and he's telling him what's going on, yeah. and so I think that's how this rejection and this being out there, anyways. So. One of the things I was trying to separate and try to remind us that the story of the Bible is never about heaven and hell. It's not it's not this if you die today where are you going to go mm-hmm. where, where what's going to happen. That is not the overarching theme of what's happening. The overarching theme of what's happening is that God's kingdom and the earth have been separated and God is trying to bring them back together. And so in Re- in Revelation that that's putting back together is the new city, the new Jerusalem, where God's kingdom and this kingdom will be one and completely together and hell will be the byproduct of that coming together. Meaning what was evil and what needed to be cast away will be left outside of that new city of Jerusalem. And so one of the things that I really want you to see in verse 41, it says this, the son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom. Now here's what it should say when I was reading it. It should say they will weed out of his kingdom, all who do evil. Mm. That's what I would think. All right. There should just be one thing because it says the evil one sows weeds. Right. And so the, the, the weeds are the evil ones, the ones that are, are under the power of the evil and so they should be cast away but that's not all that's in 41 it says the angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil oh, and so there is this there too. is this twist in this parable where i think jesus is saying listen maybe your hearts are the field oh yeah and there's weeds in your heart and the, the judgment day will be a purifying, a sanctifying experience. It will be a judgment upon who we are, but it will be removing the hell out of us mm-hmm. so that it's left outside the city gates. Those weeds will be burned again. Mm-hmm. So, that which produces sin in our lives, in our hearts, that will be removed, and the ones that are completely weeds. They're cast outside the city gates. There cannot be evil in Eden Mm. in this return to New Jerusalem. And so that judgment sounds harsh, but it's actually beautiful. It is a refining fire. It It is a judgment that brings us to our full restoration as sons and daughters of God that will rule God's kingdom here on earth as we were created to do in the beginning. It's a beautiful narrative. We could talk a whole a whole lot more about that. But I mean, sometimes we dodge around some of these things in the parable. I don't want to do that because mm-hmm. there there will be a time when Jesus returns and there is enough language and understanding that there is a separation. Yeah. There is a judgment. There is a weed and wheat separation, a goat and sheep separation. There, there, there is going to be something that's like that. But I believe it's a grace-filled journey that uh, for those of us that are in Christ right now, we are waiting for and looking towards for expectation because uh, we don't want this evil to be in our existence anymore. Um, we want to get to that place where God drives it out for, for all time.
0: Awesome. Amen. That's beautiful.
1: Listen, I. You read my mind. I was like, "You about to go there?" I'm not going to be here next week, so we will not have an episode. So if you're hearing this,
0: let us. um, I'm going to get together those links for the Heaven and Hell series. Yeah, and I'll put them on KingUdUMC.org/slash five fifteen. Okay. And you can go find those links there. And that gives you something to listen to next week. Perfect. Well, we're, since we're not going to have an episode. For a Heaven and Hell series? Yes. That's perfect.
1: Um, yeah, so next week I'm going to be in Haiti. So I appreciate your prayers. Going okay, with Jim yeah. Welch. And uh, we're working on our water project a little bit. We're kind of testing to see if everything's safe mm-hmm. uh, before we send a team in the fall. And we're actually, I have the opportunity to give a lesson to teach uh, um, a, a uh, subject to about, I think, 150 wow. pastors, okay. Haitian pastors, awesome. and so uh, it'll be my first, like, I, I've done a little preaching in cross-cultural scenarios, mm-hmm. but this will be my first, like, full-on teaching and a cross-cultural through an interpreter, all of that. So, cool.
0: I'd love to hear about you, that when we kind of do our mission, yeah. kind of wrap up. Yeah, so when we get well. back
1: together, you'll hear about that, okay. um, but I do appreciate your prayers.
0: All right, sounds good. Thank you so much for joining Uh, me today to record this yeah and everyone thanks for downloading and listening yeah thanks for
1: listening we'll talk to you later amen